I know every week this year is Rafua Shlema for Reb Yosef Yitzchak and Simachasia. Keep that in mind. And I want to, if people don't mind, to add Elimelech Yitzchak Ben Fega Mendel. So this um, Sicha is a Rashi Sicha. I hope everyone has the, the link. And um, if you want to open up a Chumash and take a look, it's Pasuk Lamed. Uh, sorry, it's Perik Mem Gimel Pasuk Lamed. If you're using a Chayenu, I'll make it easy for you, page 45. Um, and let's begin. Min ha-pasuk v'yemaher Yosef ki nikmeru rachamav el-achiv. So that's the pasuk that it says, Yosef hurriedly turned aside for his compassion towards his brother was aroused. Mitzatet Rashi b'dibor ha-maskel. Rashi brings out the opening words. Hasheni es hamila nikmeru. The second Rashi, he brings the word nikmeru to explain what it means. Here it's translated as um, compassion was aroused. And he explains it that it means heated up in the words of the Mishnah, which is referring to a komer of, of olives. A komer is like a pile or a stack defined that way. He says, as well, according to the Gemara, it's defined as mikamer mi yeshira, a stack of, of meat, a pile of meat. Uva mikra, arenu ketanur nikmeru, nechamamu, v'nikmatu, kmatim, kmatim, bivnei zalafot ra'av, ken kachderach kol or keshe chamamim otanu, oto nikmet v'nitkabet. So, so far we're just quoting Rashi, and he says, and in the mikra, in the Torah, our skin became inflamed like an oven, inflamed and creased of wrinkles from the burning fever of famine. For so is the nature of any skin that wrinkles and shrinks when it becomes hot. Um, just gonna add in a side comment that these are the types of Rashi's that I probably read once, um, but the Rebbe is going to have eight questions on this Rashi and then another four follow-up questions. Uh, so, when Rufki used to actually teach us Rashi Sichos when I was a student in her Chabad house, she would ask us to guess the questions. If anybody wants to, I, I'm more than happy if anybody wants to guess at least one of the questions or one of the eight. Okay. The only one, there's only one that I think I would have guessed, but we'll um, see that the questions are actually not so complicated and, and it's hard to understand why we wouldn't have seen these questions. Just see there's one comment in the chat. Okay, so the second paragraph. Move on, Madua Tarih Rashi Lavi Bihlal, Hokha Lapirushu, Shemashmut Hamila, Nikmaru, who Nitchamamu. Kevan, Shahaben Hamish Lamikra, Nitzakel Khan, Lavishona Batora, Bimila, Nikmaru. Yasurak Lahasbir to perish Bamsu Hokha. So it's understood why Rashi is gonna be bringing um a proof. Um, for this word, what, what the word nikmeru means. And he tells us that it means nitchamamu, that it means heated up. Because the five-year-old that's learning Chumash for the first time, this is his first instance in the Torah of the word nikmeru. And therefore, we have to explain what it means with a proof. So that we're okay with. Ach, yeshlahavin. But we're going to have a whole bunch of questions. Number one, Madua Nisakek Rashi Lishalosh Hokachot. So why does Rashi have to bring three proofs? 
That was the only question that I might have guessed that there's more than one explanation. When Rashi brings three, we have to ask what's the problem with each one of the explanations? Why do we need another one? Shahari Kamuvan Bipashtus, Kibisha Husbar Pamim Rabot, Muvo Mispar Hokahot, Kasher Kolachad Mehem, Kishila Atma, Eno Maskepet, the Achorot Miseot Bekach. So, as we've uh, one of the principles of Rashi, as we've discussed previously, is that when Rashi brings more than one proof, we have to ask that we have we assume that each one in and of itself is not enough. And we have to ask what's the issue with each individual explanation that it needed another backup proof, so to speak. Why is each one not individually enough to explain? Why do we need three explain three uh, backup sources to explain the meaning of this word? So question number two, that. The order in which he brings the proofs is not understood, is not clear. He opens up with the Mishnah. Then he goes next to Aramaic, meaning a, a citation from the Gemara. And after this, he goes to Tanakh. He should have gone in order of the way these these svarim were, were, were uh, compiled, and the first one should be from the Mikra, meaning from Tanakh. It's from Echa, the one that he brings. And even more so, not only is it just um, doing things in order that he would have brought it straight from Mikra first, from, from Tanakh, but the, the way that it's used in Eicha, the way that the word is used is exactly the same as it's used in our, in our um, Pasuk. So it's even, they, they even line up better than anything else. And after bringing from Tanakh, then it would be appropriate to bring from Mishnah. And after that, from the Gemara. But instead we have Mishnah, Gemara, Tanakh. Okay, question number three. Madua maybe Rashi at Hochacha Bilashon Mishnah Mikomer Shal Why does he bring it from a stack of Zaytim? Once we're opening up the Mishnah, why are we getting it from Komer, a stack of Zaytim, of olives? Bibmasechas Baba Metzia. Vilo Mikomer Shal Anavim from Baba Metzia and not um, a stack of grapes. If you look at the Mishnah itself, uh, sorry, the, over there, you'll see that it's talking about both that it's talking about a, a komer, but we're gonna keep komer as a Hebrew word for now, of olives. It's also talking about a komer of grapes. And it's actually, the grapes are actually spoken about before the olives. So why does he skip over the reference to the word komer when, it, when it's regarding grapes, but he stands on it and brings it into his commentary, the reference when it's regarding olives to that word. Okay, question number four. Um, so as well in the Gemara, it's a similar question. Um, he brings for us something from Masechus Psachim, the word Mekamer Bishra. 
but there's an earlier reference to that word, to a word with that root in the Gemara, as it says um, in Masechus Brachos, Bushle Karma. It was cooked within a, a karma, and it, it appears earlier in Brachos. So why does he bring the later reference? Seems like he's, go, he's picking and choosing different references that are not um, the ones that make sense chronologically. So there's obviously a reason for why those are specifically being brought. And the page, the fifth question. Yoter mizayi v'morto, sarich lavin madua mevi rashi belashon mikra pasuk me'echa, kasher hamila nikmiru mofia kvar b'malachim ve'hoshaya. So also the Rebbe brings the word um, from a pasuk in echa in Tanakh. However, it appears before that. We have the word in malachim and we have the word in, Hosh in hoshaya. And it's not just that um, they appear earlier in the Tanakh, but rather they seem to be a better proof, those references. Because the meaning in the earlier references seems to be more common, more connected to our Pasuk. Where in Malachim it says implying that his um, his feelings of mercy were aroused, which is just what we're talking about here. Yosef is meeting up with his brothers and he's talking to Binyamin and he sees him. And that's where our Pusik is, is, is starting from when they have that, that moment together. And Yosef wants to cry, and it's that very dramatic moment. So here in Malachim, we also have something talking about emotions. And as well, in, um, in Hoshaya, it's another emotional moment. They both are connected to feelings from the heart. Which is exactly similar to what's happening in our Pasuk, as it says, and his feelings were aroused. Sheva Parshin. But what we do bring, which is from Eicha, it says the skin was bubbled up like in, a, in an oven. And this is a completely different concept. So I, I do think maybe I just jumped in without um, looking at the Pasuk itself. But if you just want to open up a Chumash and just quickly look at what the context we're talking about is, Yosef hurriedly turned aside for his compassion towards his brothers was aroused and he wished to cry and he went into the side room and he wept there. And this is right after he has seen Binyamin for the first time. What we're talking about in Eicha in, is a time when um, it was a terrible time for the Jewish people and they were starving and their skin bubbled up from starvation and it was like heat heated from starvation. Whereas the examples in the other places in Tanakh, which not only chronologically come before, they also seem to be connected thematically because they're both talking about emotional moments, people's feelings. Okay, so the question number six. And we bring this proof from Eicha that the skin bubbled up as if it was like in an oven. Rashi continues with this pasach. He doesn't just use the one word, the one phrase that has the root of the word we're trying to define. He says, this was, Rashi says, this is because of the harshness of starvation. 
But lichara aims at kashur le'inyan, and this seems to have nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're talking about brothers coming together. We're not talking about a famine. U miyutar, even more so, it's unnecessary, litzayenzo, bechokacha, and if you want to look it up, wonderful, but just to bring this into Rashi's actual proof, the continuation of the Pasuk seems unnecessary. And if you look at the other proofs that he brings from the Mishnah and from the Gemara, he just brings the two words. He doesn't bring a full Pasuk. Um, so number seven, even more so. So Rashi actually adds another thought, almost like a like a commentary. Maybe that's maybe we don't want to overuse the word commentary here, but he adds kind of like his own phrase after he brings the pasuk, saying that from the burning fever of famine, their skin was was hot. Then he says. For so is the nature of any skin that it wrinkles and shrinks when it becomes hot. That's just Rashi's giving us like information about the world. So why, and again, we're just trying to figure out what's going on with Yosef when he sees his brother Binyamin. What, what does this word actually mean that um, is connected to his emotional connection with his brother? So why would Rashi give us this extra information? And for the last question, it's, it, it's good to... Um, maybe take a quick look at the Pasuk in Eicha, but basically Rashi breaks up the Pasuk in Eicha. He gives us a couple words of the Pasuk, then he gives us his own thought, his own words, and then he goes back to the words of the Pasuk. Um, so if you look, actually, if you look at the Rashi, you could see there are quotations around the word nidchamamu v'nidchmatu uh, Sorry, orenu ketanor nikmaru. Our skin bubbled up like it was in an oven, and then we have um, Rashi's own words: inflamed and creased with wrinkles. That Rashi put in by himself, and then he continues the rest of the pasuk from the burning fever of famine. So he puts in his own phrase in the middle of a pasuk. The kol mikra hayatzarach liktov milim elu v'ken nitz kavetz miyad lachar matim v'lo lahavsik be'emsa hasveroshal Rashi. Rashi should have connected the words together in the Pasuk. The Pasuk should have stayed, you would think, in one um, in one unit and not have his own words put in in the middle. He should have written the words Viken Nitkavets. He should have written his last phrase um, right after. Um, right after it says, right after he wrote his other phrase that he inserted, inflamed and priest of wrinkles, then he should have said, um, for so is the nature of any skin that wrinkles and shrinks when it becomes hot. He didn't need to put in the end of the Pasuk right in the middle of there. Okay, so Saif Bet. I hope that the questions are clear. It's basically we're asking on the order and there's so many different examples that seem like they could have been better citations, broken up into eight very specific questions. So Seif Bet, Perish Rashi al ki nikmeru rachamav v'hashelot al kach. So the way that this sicha, this version of the translations of the sicha is each 
Halic has its own little um, headline, subhead, I suppose. Um, so explanation of Rashi on um, the previous interpretation that he brings, actually. So let's just take a minute to read the Rashi that comes before the one that we're looking at. King Nikmiru Rachamav, for his compassion was aroused. He asked, do you have a brother from your mother's side? He this is him talking to Binyamin. <coughs> he replied, I did have a brother, but I do not know where he is. Yosef then asked, do you have any sons? He replied, I have 10. Yosef asked, what are their names? He answered him, Bella, Becher, etc." Yosef then asked, what is the significance of these names? He answered him, they are all named for my brother and the tribulations that have befallen him. Bella, because my brother disappeared. Nivla, among alien nations. Becher, because he was the firstborn. Bechor, of my mother. Ashbel, because God sent him into captivity. Shiva'o'el, Gera, because he had to live in a foreign place. Naaman, because he was extremely pleasant. Achi, and Rosh, because he was my brother and my superior. Mupim, because he learned from the mouth of my father. Chupim, because he did not see my marriage. Chupasi, nor did I see his marriage. And Arad, because he went down among the nations. As it is stated in Tractate Saita, when Yosef heard all this, immediately his compassion was aroused. So that's obviously a very um, intense conversation or meaningful conversation that they had, as Benjamin is going through every single one of his children and their names. And then it's held, and then Rashi says his compassion was aroused. So in order to understand the first Rashi that we started at, which was trying to define for us what the word nikmuru means, we have to look at the previous Rashi, which I just read to you, the conversation between Yosef and Binyamin. That's the previous Rashi. And now the Rashi is going to quote the, uh, sorry, the Rev is going to quote the Rashi that I just read to you. So I'll just go to the end of that. Uh, do you have any brothers? I have, do you have any sons? I have 10 and each one has a name and each name is connected to Yosef. And then Rashi says at the end, as I just read to you, Miyad Nikmeru Rachamav, immediately his compassion was aroused. Umiyad Kashelavin. So the Rev is now going to ask, as I said there, Additional four additional questions on this Rashi that comes before the Rashi that we're studying. So the first one is Madua Makdim Rashi Bedibor Harishon Lefaret Beharchava Esgoram Lenik Meru with Nesha who must beer Bedibor Hasheni at Etem Ashmud Hamila Nik Meru. So why does Rashi give us this long, expanded conversation in order to explain the cause? for Nikmiru Rachamav, that his emotions were aroused before telling us in the next interpretation what Nikmiru means. So we know if we're the five-year-old learning Chumash for the first time, we see this word Nikmiru and we don't know what it means. So it would be make more sense to know what it means before we know what caused it to um, occur. Bepashtus, it should have been the opposite. We should first know what the word means. 
And then we'll find out what caused it. But first we have to know what we're talking about. Okay, next question. Another um, difficulty. What is the problem in the literal contextual meaning of the verses that Rashi needs to bring the full extended conversation between Yosef and Binyamin? When you think it's pretty simple, he hasn't seen his brothers for many, many, many years, especially the one brother from the same mother that they share in common. And now when he sees them, it's very emotional. And as the Rev is actually going to say later that Binyamin was about nine or 10 years old the last time that Yosef saw him. So if he has 10 children now, we can assume he was a grown man. And that alone is very emotional. When Yosef is seeing Binyamin after many, many years, and it's his only brother from the same mother, and as we know, Benjamin had no connection to Yosef being sold. So it seems like it should be pretty obvious that his emotions were aroused. Why do we need this whole long back and forth with Benjamin explaining, I have 10 children and these are all their names and each name is a tribute to my brother, etc. Bet, the second question. Um, so if we want to say that Rashi was forced to explain to us, it was obligated to explain to us this entire, um, that they conducted this entire conversation, this back and forth between Yosef and Binyamin as um, Chazal explained, he could have just brought the beginning of it. Which he does many times. He could have said, and Yosef said to him, do you have any brothers? I'm sorry, do you have any, do you have, are you my brother? Do you have children? Etc. dot, 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 as written in Masach Sota and the um, interested party could go to Masach Sota and read it and see the entire back and forth. Shashamni tan libso is kol hapratim. However, Rashi brings every single detail. Mamosifa kol harhachava bimimuchad biur kol hashemos lahavanas hapashet shel hapasak. So again, we have to know that we're when we're learning Rashi, we're learning the contextual meaning, the simple meaning. So why do we need all of the back and forth and every single de detail to understand the contextual meaning of the verse? We should be able to understand without all that, but if, and if you want to look it up, Rashi could have just referenced it. In other words, Rashi could have um, could have skipped all of the all of the details and he could have just told us to go look somewhere else. And even more so, what is the connection to Binyamin's sons to any of this? We're talking about Yosef, and he's the head, he's the second in command in Mitzrayim, and he meets his brothers for the first time, and he sees Binyamin. And what in the world do the name Binyamin and his Binyamin's sons that are going to be spoken about later have to do with this? 
and Dalid, Madua Mosif Rashi Umedayak Niyad Nikmeru Rachamav. Vimahu Hamakor Lakach, Hare Rashi Eno Mitzasat Min Hapasuk et Hamilim Vayimaher. So the last question is very interesting. If you look at the last three words of the of the first Rashi on our Pasuk, it says, Miyad Nikmeru Rachamav, immediately Yosef's compassion was aroused. Why does Rashi use the word immediately? And if timing and, and immediacy and was such a big concept that he's trying to explain to us, he should have brought in the in the um Dibor Hamaskil in the in the uh, headline for his commentary, the first word of the Pasuk, which is Vayimaher, which means and he hurried. Then we would have a direct connection between the fact that he's telling us that something happened quickly and later in the he's explaining that something happened quickly, should have brought that word down. And then the word miyad would make perfect sense. But since he didn't bring that, he's teaching us something else. So why does he use the word miyad? Shouldn't it be enough to say they had this back and forth and his feelings were aroused? Okay, Saif Gimel. Ra'it binyamin Nikmeru. Okay. The headline is that the seeing, the simply just viewing of binyamin was not a cause for Nikmeru, which we're defining here as like an arousal. Hezber Lakahu, the explanation is Aimomar Kifisha Nira Bimabet Stahi, Shayosef Nikmeru Rahama, Vivakesh Livahot, Nitnebra Oto Epinyamin. So we are not saying that on the first superficial conversation and the first initial sighting of Binyamin, that that was enough for Yosef to become emotionally aroused. Because it only happens later um, when he when he says. Oh, sorry. It would have it would have the it would have Rashi or the Chumash or some somewhere we would have been informed that this happened earlier. In the beginning of the in the beginning of the parsha, when it says, "And Yosef saw them, and he saw Benjamin," which is in this parsha, if you took him earlier. Um, it's and specifically, it's now telling us that it's Yosef hurriedly turned aside, for his compassion was aroused. Um, so obviously, something happened now. He's already seen them. If you go back a few psukim, you'll see that he's already seen them. Or the fachot besamuch leachar vayisayna vayerat et binyamin achiv imo kinemar besof haparsha kasher hit kansu hashvatim yachad im Yosef beveso. Um, if we go to um, the pasuk, the previous pasuk, we're looking at. Uh, Pasuk Laman, if we go to Kaftes, Yosef then looked up and saw Binyamin, his brother, the son of his mother, and he said, is this your youngest brother whom you mentioned to me? He then said, my son, may God be gracious to you. So maybe over there, it should have said that Yosef was emotional. Why is it telling us one Pasuk later? They already had that initial moment together. Sha'al Yosef haza achichem, ulachar miken amar elokim yechamcha bini, berak lachar miken amar nikmiru rachamav. Okay, so the Torah is telling us that first he sees them at the initial time. And after that, he says in Pasuk Kaftes, 
Hashem should be gracious to you. That's kind of giving him a bracha. And only after this, after these two separate um, interactions, then it says, Nikmiru rachamav, that his feelings were aroused. Harezot hachacha shelo vayar garem lo nikmiru ad kedei so this is a proof to us that seeing him alone was not enough to arouse his feelings, Nikmiru, to the point of wanting to cry. And the reason for this is obvious. Maybe it's obvious to the Rebbe. Yosef, Behayoto Mishnelamelach, Tkupa Arucha Kokach. So Yosef, as we know, had um, a very, very elevated, exalted position in Egypt. He was the second to the king, and this was a very um, high position, and he had to be very tough on the outside. As, as the Pasuk says, not a single person lifted a hand or a leg in Mitzrayim without his permission, and the only thing above him was the, the, the crown. Obviously, it's clear that he presented himself in a way of, of strength and severity and toughness, and he was in charge of a tremendous, tremendous empire, enormous amount of responsibility. So clearly, when he saw his brothers, he obviously presented himself as very, very strong and tough. So therefore, despite the fact that he already saw Benyamin, the son of his mother, he might have had strong feelings internally. However, on the outside, the way that he presented himself to his brothers, and specifically in the presence of the other Egyptians that surrounded him, he steer Yosef He hid his feelings. He's the second to the king. He's not going to break down and have an emotional moment in front of his brothers and in front of all the, the people that surrounded him. And he was not um, going to expose his feelings until he is alone and he asks and he leaves to cry and he goes into a separate room and he cries there. Therefore, we don't see any feelings of Yosef. And specifically not crying and, and sorrow. Obviously, just by being around his brothers and listening to their conversation and meeting with them, he clearly heard a lot of things that would have been very emotional for him. The pain of his father, etc. But he didn't show any of this because he had to appear in a very strong, um, distant, like emotionally distant capacity. 
Hasicha ben Yosef lebenyamin odos yaldei benyamin garma lemiyad nipru. However, it was this conversation that Rashi brings out every single little detail of the entire conversation between Yosef and Benyamin, which that caused him to miyad nikmer right away. His emotions were aroused. Okay, so this is Seif Dalid. Kevan shekach hechri lomar mashmut hapsukim hamishach. Chem Shalachar Vayar Yosef as Binyamin Vayomer Elokim Hitcharesh Meura Achar Sheshpia Yoter Masher Vayar as Binyamin. So the conversation that took place after Yosef sees his brother, this aroused much greater emotions than just seeing Binyamin. Kevan Chatora Eina Mitsayanet Bimifurash Mahaya Hadavar Hechri Lamar so because the Torah does not go specifically and explain to us what happened, that the emotions were aroused, Rashi sees this as pshat, that this is the pshat, this is what happened. They had this very meaningful back and forth about all of Benjamin's sons. So this the continuation of, the, of Yosef giving a bracha, as he says, God should be gracious to you, my son. This is what has the impact on Yosef, this conversation. And the fact that he refers to Binyamin as Binyamin as Achiv, my brother, this also meant that he had an extension of his feelings to all the brothers. Therefore, Rashi brings the entire conversation extensively. It starts with, do you have another brother from your mother? Um, as it says in the beginning, a, a brother from my mother specifically. So this, again, we ask, why do we hear about Binyamin's children? Well, that's the answer, that this specifically has to do with Binyamin's children, um, because this is, again, a continuation of Hashem should be gracious upon you. And according to... Um, Rashi, this is similar to what he says on an earlier Pasuk, Lamed, Lamed Gimel Hay, um, that Hashem is speaking to Yaakov, Sheva Pasuk Zemedubar Odos Hayeladim, and this is speaking about Yaakov's children. The children are, are the, the blessing of the parent. This, that Pasuk takes place when Yaakov and Asaph are meeting for the first time, and Asaph says to Yaakov, who are all these people that you've brought with you? And Asaph, and Yaakov says, they are my children. And it's not about the children themselves, but about the the relationship and the connection that they cause between Yosef and Binyamin. Because every single one of um, Binyamin's children is named with regard to his love and his, and his um, connection to his brother Yosef that he lost. Asher... And it's through the children specifically 
Um, it, it's not about the children themselves, but rather the closeness that they aroused. Therefore, Rashi repeats the conversation that aroused and they have it. Um, and this is what causes Yosef to cry. Rashi tells us their entire conversation, that brings about this intense love, feeling of love, but often in an abnormal way, not abnormal in a bad way, but in an extraordinary way. That this conversation itself is what brings about this extraordinary feeling within Yosef, that he's this that it's necessary for him to cry, to say that he needs to leave to the other room and he cries. So this conversation is shot in is the Rebbe is explaining to us that Rashi is shot, and this conversation is shot. What happened? Because we know that Yosef already saw him. Um, so what changed? What changed was this extremely meaningful conversation that Yosef and Binyamin have about Binyamin's children. So now we understand why Rashi brings every single detail. And the explanation of every single name of Binyamin's children, Binifrad, each one separately. Because the full meaning of Yechancha that Hashem should bless you, which was that he had 10 children and that each child is named in reminiscent of an aspect of their relationship, in reminiscent of Yosef, this is what caused his emotions to be aroused. Kol Prat Chashuv, every single detail is important. In order to arouse the feeling and the, and the connection and the oneness and the relationship that was so special between Binyamin and Yosef. So despite the fact that Binyamin was only nine or 10 years old when Yosef was sold, he did not, in all those years, he did not stop thinking about Yosef and his troubles, the extent of all the names of his kids. That each one of his children was named after his longing for Yosef. And even more so, more so. So it's not just like one deep wound, but it's as it's 10 aspects of this pain. Each one of the children is named after a different aspect of his longing for his brother. And here we have that from the time that he was a little kid, he remembered his brother from his, his, from his mother in such a meaningful way. And it becomes obvious. And then after all this, we see that he was not 
able to keep up that exterior, to keep his emotions sublimated, I don't use that word, um, to keep up this tough exterior and his emotions were immediately aroused. This is why Rashi puts Niyad at the end of his interpretation here because it was this conversation itself that caused it to happen immediately. And we don't need the word Bayimahir from the Pasa because that's not connected. Sa'if Hay, the Hagorim le Nikmiru Mapir and Mashmut Hamila. The cause of Nikmiru is going to um, explain the connotation of the word. Bekach Muva Madua Meparesh Rashi Trila Ube Harchava Tagoram Lenikmiru. So now we clearly all understand, the Rebbe is just going to tell it to us, but we obviously all understand already um, why Rashi explains explains the cause of his emotions being aroused before defining the word for us. Because this explanation of what caused his feelings to be aroused is part of the, the connotation, the, the meaning of the word, and it's necessary to the, um, to the basic reading of the text, it will explain the connotation of the word. Because it's speaking about extraordinary feelings that Yosef had. And they were much greater than the basic feelings that were aroused from because he saw his brother as seeing his brother. Because obviously we can imagine that feelings were aroused, but what happened here was extraordinary, was, was beyond that. So Rashi explains in our, in the Rashi that we, um, in his second commentary, the one that we started with, that Nikmeru means heated up, and it was strong, the loka targum unculus, and he disagrees, or it's not according to unculus, that nikmeru means longing, itzgalalu, hitrakshubregila, which would be regular emotions. So through understanding this conversation that took place between Yosef and Binyamin, that caused a tremendous, extraordinary arousal, a tremendous feeling. So that, that helps us understand that the meaning of Nick Maru is that he was all heated up, something beyond like regular longing. Okay, Saif Vav. Nick Maru Khan, he tragshut miyukharet. Nick Maru refers to, as I said, extraordinary, special, unique feelings. Ach Rashi, eno mistapek bekach, ki gam et mashmut hapsuki muvan shah mashmut shall nikmeru rahamat hi his orus khazaka yoter. So Rashi is not satisfied with leave well enough alone. Okay, we figured it out. Nikmeru is not just I'm longing, I'm but I'm extremely, extremely passionately aroused. Rashi is not satisfied with that alone. Um that it's something beyond eats galalu, as as Unculus says. A dying ainzot hochaha shamila, nikmeru kolala bitoha mashmaut shall nitchamamu. So why does it have to do with being heated up and not something similar? And that's why Rashi brings um, proofs for the connotation of the word, the meaning of the word, because my, because being aroused and being, you know, extremely excited 
might not necessarily be connected to being heated up. This is why, as to answer one of our initial questions, Rashi, when he does bring from Tanakh, he doesn't bring from the two other places in Tanakh that use this word that are both speaking about emotional settings in Malachim and in Hoshaya, but rather he brings specifically from our Pasuk, um, those are speaking about emotions. So therefore it's not clear that it means heat because clearly both of those are emotional moments. So both of those are talking about strong emotions. So if we're gonna look to those two verses, they're too similar. So Nick Maru could still have nothing to do with heat. It could still be a word that's emotional because in both of those scenarios, we have emotional things happening. But in our scenario, Rashi wants us to know this has to do specifically with heat. So he needs to bring something that's not an emotional moment per se in that way, because then we can understand the meaning. Because if, if we have things that are too similar, that nothing stands out, we can't necessarily understand that there's something distinct, that there's something that this word has a specific meaning. Does that make sense? Okay, because in those two places, it could still have just meant emotional arousal because they're both emotional moments. Um, so what is, um, what is it? it? It doesn't tell us anything specific about our situation because they're both emotional moments. And Unkulis in those other situations where the word is used also defines it as itgolalu, which means longing. Therefore, Rashi brings the word from, from, a, from this a different place that's the same word, but used in a different context so that we can understand what it means. And in that place, in Eicha, it means heat. It doesn't mean anything but heat. And therefore, he brings it first. And he brings it before... Uh, sorry, I, I said Eicha, I meant, I meant the Mishnah, I'm sorry. He brings it from the Mishnah because it's in Hebrew, which is similar to our Pesukim, whereas the Gemara is in Aramaic. And what does it say in the Mishnah? Al hakomer shel zetim, that it's the the stack of olives. Komer hu hakli shabo mechamim es zetim, and the komer is um the vessel in which the the olives were heated up. The mikach muvan shemashmut habitui komer nikmiru ki chamimus, and therefore we understand that the word komer specifically has to do with heat because this is not talking about an emotional reaction. This is talking about um, a form of preparing the olives that they get hot. Um, I just wanna add that my husband said in Hilcha Shabbos there, he was helping me prepare there as a Shiloh about whether or not you're allowed to surround your food on Shabbos with crushed olives. And the reason it's a Shiloh is because surrounding food with, because olives give off heat and surrounding foods with crushed olives could be a form of cooking. So when you're going to put all the olives together, apparently this is something we should all know that it that it causes heat 
to generate. And it's a and the and the vessel that they put them in was what they, they were heated up in. Okay, so I just want to back up a tiny drop. Um, he doesn't bring the two places in Tanakh that come before Eicha because they're talking about emotions. He needs to bring Eicha, which is talking about this time when the when the Jews were starving and their their um, their skin heated up from from a feverish starvation. God forbid. And so. Um, we need to see it in a different context to understand what the word means. Because in the other context, it could also just mean emotional arousal. But here in Eicha, it has to mean heat. It doesn't, it's not about a warm, loving experience where somebody got excited. And the same holds true in the Mishnah. He doesn't talk about the stack of grapes. He talks about the stack of olives because the stack of olives implies heat. Okay, so Sa'ib Zion. So why does he bring from the Gemara? We just explained why he brings from Chomish, sorry, Tanakh. And we explain why he doesn't bring from the earlier instances in Tanakh. And we explain why he brings within the Mishnah the olives, not the grapes. So now we're going to, in Zion, explain and answer the question why he brings in at all the Gemara. Okay, so this, um, the word komer, which was some type of vessel that the olives were heated in, the Rebbe is telling us is not enough. Kinitan adayin lishol, because there's still questions. Imlo nemar bishum makom bivadut, shekomer humil lashon chamimus, ketzad nikvash, shekliza nikrek komer mishum hachamimus. So, how do we know that this appliance, we'll use that word, this vessel, which is called a comer, and which the olives do get heated up in, is called a comer because of heat. Maybe it's called a comer because of the shape or the color or the usage of it. Um, I guess the heat would be the usage. But for some other identifying reason, it's called a comer. And in this thing that's called a comer, olives get heated up. How do we know that the word comer specifically means heat? It could be for, for some other reason. So then Rashi brings from another language. He doesn't say the Gemara, he calls it Aramaic language, which is the Gemara. Which means um, a meat that was heated up. It comes from a discussion about Kurbanos and with the meat that had that was waiting for, for the, that was sanctified to be a sacrifice, was heating up. And we see here in the in the explanation that um, komer that the word the root of the word komer has to do with the action of heat. And therefore, the Aramaic language is a proof on the Mishnaic language and the language of the Mishnah that the word means heat. Because in general, the Gemara explains the Mishnah. And it's similar to the, to the phrase in the Chomish, where the word Komer is from the same root as the word for warmth. And it becomes clear by, by using the um, the Gemara, the proof from the Gemara, that the word komer is the purpose of the vessel. And that 
clarification that the word komer means heat is not clear from the other two citations in the Gemara, which the Revi, uh, sorry, which Rashi did not bring down. Bafizem muvan madua lomivi Rashi at hokacha habitui komer hamofia bimakomot kodmim the Gemara. Now we can understand why Rashi does not bring the two other instances of the word komer that come up in the Gemara before the one that he did bring. Habitui komer shel anavim shevemasachos yevamos mofia behemshech lidivrei hagemara sham. When it talks about a komer of grapes in yevamos, it has to do with a, um, a discussion. The, on the on the phrase dovev sifte yeshanim that the the lips of the dead murmur kikomershal anavim like a like a stack of grapes ma komershal anavim and so we want to know what does it mean komer of grapes kevan shemaniach adam etzbo alav miyad dovev af tavidei chachamim that when a person puts his finger on the stack of grapes the grapes tremble so this is nothing really to do with heat so we don't recognize um, that that it has anything to do with um, it's not clear from the stack of grapes this has to do with heat because we don't recognize from this that the vessel itself is called a komer. It's not the, the cause of what of the heat. But it could be rather that the grapes feel pressure, like a pressure cooker. And that's why they're trembling. And the wine comes out of the grapes from pressure, not necessarily from heat. And you could think that komer actually means pressure, doesn't mean heat from that example. And also from the expression gam me habitui ba'aramit in Aramaic, and the other source that the Rebbe could have brought, uh, sorry, the Rashi could have brought, Gushle Kamara, Sheva Masechus Brachos, which comes up initially in Masechus Brachos, Ein Hochacha She Mishtamshim Bemila Zodafka Bekesher Lepu'ulat Chimus. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean meat, uh, sorry, mean warmth, because this is talking about dates. And we don't know if it necessarily means heat. Maybe it's an adjective um, of heat, like uh, not a verb. Maybe it's just an adjective um, having to do with with the with the dates it's not clear that this means that this is actually a verb that this is something that's happening that it's a, that it's causative but rather what was happening in that situation was that it was heated up so i know that the gemara gets a little bit confusing especially because we're learning just bits and pieces and it's a little bit out of context but just to say it in my own words if that's okay the Rebbe is telling us that rashi does not bring the two other citations from the gemara that came before the one that he did bring because they don't necessarily prove that um, the word komer specifically has to do with heat. Either you, both of them leave an opening that it could be used, that the word itself could have a different implication or could not necessarily be connected to the concept of heat. And he wants us very, very much to know that Yosef was heated up.
tests. So we asked, why does um, Rashi interrupt his Pasuk and, and or give, us, or give us the entire Pasuk when he brings down from Eicha? He doesn't just bring a couple of words, but he says that our skin became inflamed like an oven from the burning fever of famine. So Rashi wants to bring a, um, a definition of this word from an, a, an example that's as close as possible, it's exact within the Torah. And that's why he brings from Eicha, um, as it says, um, our skin became heated up like in an oven. Because this means, for sure, this means heat. However, maybe you would have thought that nikmaru could also mean blacken. As we all know, those of us that cook, sometimes our food gets hot, sometimes it gets black when we take it out of the oven, depending on if we burned it or not. So therefore, Rashi brings the rest of the Pasuk because of the fever of famine. So you should know we're not talking about the skin becoming black from famine, but rather we're talking about it becoming hot from famine. So even though famine would actually turn your skin black, However, the Pasuk specifically connects it to heat through using the word oven and, and, and um, the word zilafot, which means sparks. Fire and heat. Therefore, logically, one would come to realize that the meaning of nikmaru means to be heated up. So Rashi brings the end of the Pasuk to show that it means heated and not blackened. Uh, as an explanation, that the um, why it's brought last, the, the verse from Tanakh. So if we're gonna say what we just said, that the verse that we just brought from Eicha is a proof that the skin heated up, we still have another question. Why, where do we see all the difficulties and the troubles, the, the horrible things that the Navi lamented upon them? This is why Rashi in, interrupts or in, inserts, as we said, the phrase, that Nikmaru doesn't just contain heat, but also, as it says, Nikmatu, Kmatim, Kmatim, um, that the skin will become wrinkled, cre inflamed, and creased with wrinkles. Kiken der ko or kishemechamamim oto nikashet vinit tavets, because this is the way of all skin that when it gets 
heated up, it also wrinkles and shrinks. So therefore, when it says in the Torah that the, the skin heated up, we don't have to necessarily explain everything else that happened to it. That's why Rashi says, because this is the way of all skin, that when it gets heated up, it wrinkles and it cracks. And through this, we understand how great the torture it was. It was it was such a tremendous heat that, and this is the way of all skin that it's that it wrinkles and it cracks when it gets heated. So we understand that the meaning of hakomer is an implication of an enormous amount of heat. So this is why Rashi brings this one last. Even though this is words from Tanakh, you would have thought it should have come first. And even though this is used in the same exact way as our Pasuk, but because in this Pasuk, in Eicha, it doesn't just mean heated up, it actually also means the wrinkled and the crinkled. And not only that, that's actually the main meaning of the Pasuk in Eicha, that their skin will be hot and wrinkled and cracked. Of all those things, the wrinkled and the cracked is what really, is what really speaks. Therefore, it's brought last, because heated up is only one of the meanings of Nikmiru in that Pasuk. So the other one, the one that's brought first about the dates, it only means heated. And then the Gemara brings to clarify on what the Mishnah said. I said dates, by the way, I meant olives. The, the first explanation from the Mishnah about the olives fully and completely means heated up. Then the Gemara comes in to to justify or to, um, to support that, it means heated. And then the Chumash, which really does mean heated, but it also has another meaning, which is even the primary meaning in that Pasuk, shows us the same meaning, but it's brought last because the word in that Pasuk has two implications. Okay, so now we're going to get into the Yenei Shil Torah. Thank you for traveling <laughs> thus far. Um, Yud Aleph, if you're following in the page 42, if you're following in the, the printout from the the uh, attribute of mercy that we have on the godly soul. From the, the Yene Shel Torah, the wine of Torah within the explanation of Rashi. In Hasidus, we're going to explain this pasuk that Yaakov, Yosef, excuse me, hurried away because he was heated; his emotions were heated up towards his brothers. She Yehudim Nikrim B'Shem Yosef. Jews in general are sometimes called Yosef. Kinemar Nohed Kitzon Yosef, as it says in the pasuk, um, behave like the like the sheep of Yosef, referring to the, the Jewish people. Yehudim Yosef Srichim La'Orer Rachamim Rabim Al Dargas Binyamin. So Jewish people, we need to arouse tremendous mercy 
on the descent of Binyamin. Who is Binyamin? The son of my pain, Ben Oni. When we think about the, when we meditate and deeply think about the tremendous descent of the soul, asher yarda lamata mata, meaning that soul is being compared to Binyamin and the Jewish people as a whole are being compared to Yosef. And think about the tremendous descent when it goes down and down until it goes into a rechem, into a uterus. And it has a godly spark, the, the soul of the Jew, until it's born as a, as a person. But the neshama is like Binyamin, the, the son of my pain. It goes deep, deep down into this coarse material physical world. And um, this is hinted to in Rashi's words when it says that his rachamim, his feelings were aroused. And it's exacting that it's told this to us before we're explained that nikmiru means heated up. First, you have to think about it. Think about my brother and all the troubles and all of my 10 sons that are each one named for my brother and sit there and actually meditate on it and think about it and really let it sink in. That's the first part that has to happen before we're going to talk about anything being warmed up. First, you have to think about all the pain that happened. And think about the greatness of the soul in and of itself. That she is on the level of my brother. I'm just noticing this now, but it's, um, we always talk about the neshama and the feminine and then achi is, is the masculine. So clearly the gender has nothing to do with anything here. That um, the neshama itself is on the level of my brother. And it's totally and completely connected at all times to godliness. So think about all that. And then think about afterwards the pain that has befallen her. Think about her descent. Until she's swallowed up by the nations. So this is all a metaphor. The, the soul is swallowed up in the body and in the animal soul. And even below this, in such a low, a low place that when you know your soul desperately yearns to do a mitzvah, you have to actually eat a piece of bread in order to do that mitzvah. You actually need to physically take something, pick it up, ingest it, digest it. And half the time you're only eating the bread because you're hungry. You're not eating the bread because you're desperately seeking to do the mitzvah. Right, half the time. <laughs> um, the open kazen. When a person thinks in this way, in all ten aspects of the soul, just like ten, the ten sons of Binyamin, then you will come to the place of nikmiru, nitchamemu, heated up. Halev mitchamem bechamimus so Rashbi Esh. Probably heard recognize this phrase Rashbi Esh from Tanya. The heart will get warmed up in the fiery flame. Im mirirus amiti shomaamado vematavo with a true, true, honest bitterness about where you're standing, about where the soul is standing and its and its genuine situation at this point in time. 
Whatever happens down here happens up there. So the, up there as well, it arouses rachamim, mercy. So the Rebbe now explains that rachamim is actually greater than chesed. Why? Because of heat. What we're going to say in the next paragraph is chesed is cold, gavura is hot, and rachamim combines the two of them. It has the the, the heat aspect of gavura filtered through chesed. Let's, let's, let's look inside. So down here below in our world, the, the attribute of chesed in and of itself is good. As we know, the nature of good is to do good. And this is the influence that's referred to as water. It comes down from coldness. Greater than this, gavura austerity, severity is is from fire and from from anger and from maybe not anger, but it's from it's from a fire and a and a arousal of a flame. And that's why from gavura a person can arouse anger, etc. However, rachamim mercy So, despite the fact that essentially, what is it? It's it's goodness and it's kindness. However, it has with it encompassed within it the attribute of gvura. Because when a person sees the pain of another. Yachas libo bechamimus rashbi esh. They get you get warmed up. Your your heart gets filled with a flame. Behum oer berachamim alzulato, and you're and you're aroused to have mercy on another person. Vizem avil adei hashpasho chesed mitochamimus, and this is what arouses chesed, kindness from warmth. Bechuka aza, a strong yearning. Yoter masher chesed bilvad, and this is more than um, chesed alone. You can talk about this a lot. I mean, this might be why fundraisers, they'll often put very arousing, sad pictures um, on their fundraising material because when a person gets aroused in that way, when they get frustrated by the status quo, when they get upset about something, that's much more than when they're just doing um, kindness for the sake of being good. Therefore, rachmim is actually a combination or an average of the chesed and the gvura together. Because it brings together these two midos. Um, there's probably so much that you could say about this. I don't know if I should editorialize more than what I just said, but that when a person is coming at something with passion because something bothers them and upsets them, it usually comes from a much stronger place than when they just want to you know, do the right thing to be a good person. So the last seat, you'd bet. So how, okay, we just verbringed for over an hour. So how does this have an impact on my personal service? Because the Rev is not going to let us get away with just learning a Sikha. We have to internalize it. He's Orus Rachamim Zo, the Hashpa Hanigremet Al Yedei Zeh, So this type of an arousal and this type of, a, of an impact on our behavior is is hinted to in a komer, 
this pile or this vessel of olives. <laughs> Because what happens to olives when they get hot? They release oil. So what does this have to do with my spiritual service? Olives are bitter. And this is the bitterness of the soul. And this comes to the meditation and the thinking about and the deep contemplation about this, the situation and the status of the soul, as we mentioned above, that it's stuck in this, in this physical world, in this physical body. Um, and how is this connected to olives? Because when the person thinks about how difficult and how bitter and how, how troubling it is, and he has mercy, he has compassion on his own soul, and this is the same concept, this is a similar idea as the crushing of the olives. As misgaleg gam lamaila, and it's also reminiscent of above the level of oil, which is the supernal supernal wisdom. This is the level of rachamim elyonim, supernal mercy. The rachamim, which we know is higher now, as we just learned, is higher than chesed and Bura. The oil is, is, is reminiscent of the highest levels. And this whole process, this having um, this contemplation and this recognition of the bitterness and this compassion that I have on my soul, this brings a gilu elokus benafsho. This brings a revelation of godliness within your soul. Kilomar, as to say, gilui shall ahava raba etel haadam bemitu shebelibo kenirmaz bemikamar bisra. That's to say that this tremendous revelation of, of love for the person, um, uh, for your soul, that's with, for the midos, for you within your soul, is seen in the warming of meat in the Gemara Absachim, when it talks about warming of meat that was brought, that Rashi brought as one of the, as the uh, Aramaic reference in his commentary. What does this have to do with meat? And afterwards, it has an impact on the skin. And a skin is, a, is, the, is the most external aspect of our, of our body. It says here, it's a lavush, a garment. So much so that it um, has an impact and it warms up a revelation on the skin, on the most outer parts. I just want to back up one second. I'm not going to do the full footnote of 64, but there's a footnote that when it's talking about meat, it's talking about this idea that um, that the the meat of the the the, the truest, uh, most integrated revelation of godliness is when the it was when the physicality calls out to Hashem, and that the meat will will be the meat. Our flesh is what will recognize Hashem, not just our intellectual capacities in our godly soul, but actually the physical flesh of our body, so much so that it will even impact the skin, the most external parts of our body. 
and because it's coming from this middle line from Rachamim, who it's going to transform that we had the example from Eicha that there's this heat heat from hunger but it's going to be in Kedusha, not a, a, a hunger in the most horrible, horrible senses that was spoken about in Eicha, but rather a hunger in Kedusha. What does a hunger in Kedusha mean? Like the Navi says, they will not hunger for bread. They will not thirst for water. But rather to hear the words of Hashem. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a long <laughs> A lot of hard work. Thank you for your work and your teaching. <laughs>